0: Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Scripture in this evening will come from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with the, each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus Himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing Him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, A man who is a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they have seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, "O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And the, and beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them all of the scriptures the things concerning himself." So they drew near to the village which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and this day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened the, to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord had risen, has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. You may see.
1: Good evening. It's good to be back together tonight. Tonight, we're going to take a little bit of a break from the book of Ephesians that we've been walking through over the last several weeks, and we're going to spend some time in Luke, the 24th chapter, where Garrett just read for us. So, if you want to join us there, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24, and tonight we're going to be studying in verses 13 through 35, a powerful Wonderful story that we find about our Lord in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. As we begin to look at this text, as we begin to walk through this story that we find in Luke chapter 24, in the first couple of verses, we find two of Jesus' disciples. They're walking down the road to Emmaus from Jerusalem. Emmaus was a small village just about seven miles From Jerusalem. The Bible says in verse number 14 that as they walked down the the road towards a village named Emmaus, they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. What had happened? What were they talking about? If we skip down just a little bit in Luke 24 to verses 19 through 24, Luke actually gives us some insight into this conversation that they were having. They were talking about Jesus. They were talking about their master and teacher. Luke tells us that they were talking about Jesus' identity. He's Jesus of Nazareth, a prophet, mighty in word and deed before God and all the people. They were talking about Jesus' death, how He was crucified, handed over by the Jewish religious leaders and put to death. His death that had just taken place three days ago. They were talking about His mysterious missing body. This is the first day of the week as they're walking down the road to, the, to a village named Emmaus. And there was a report earlier that day that Jesus' body was missing from the tomb. Jesus' body was nowhere to be found. They had heard a couple reports of that, and they didn't really know what to do about that. They were amazed by that. They were confused by that. At the beginning of this text, we find two disciples walking down the road on the first day of the week towards Emmaus, a seven-mile journey from Jerusalem. We find what they're doing. We find what they're talking about. But that's not really the emphasis of this story. This story in Luke chapter 24 is not about what these two disciples were doing. This story is about what happened to these two disciples what took place in their lives. If you look down in Luke chapter 24, and verse 15, the Bible says, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus Himself drew near and went with them. Can you imagine what that would have been like? They're walking down this road, having this intense conversation about what had happened to their master, what had happened to their teacher, and all of a sudden, a third traveler joins them. It's Jesus. Jesus wasn't distant from them. Jesus, the text says, drew near to them. Jesus didn't just walk with them when it was convenient for Him. No, Jesus walked with them every step of the way as they walked down this road side by side. Have you ever read through a Where's Waldo book before? I don't know about you, but for me, those books can be kind of frustrating. If you've never read one before, it's, it's this two-page book where each... Each puzzle is two pages. It's all of these different people doing all these different things, all jumbled up. And in this big, very detailed picture, you have to find one tall, slender man with brown hair and a white and red striped shirt. If you're like me, Where's Waldo can be a difficult question to answer. Sometimes I get frustrated at the book. I close it. I set it aside. I'm never going to open up that book again. Perhaps... Sometimes, an even more difficult question for us as Christians is not where's Waldo, but where's Jesus? Life can be difficult, life can be hard and challenging. Sometimes in life, we go through some really painful circumstances, circumstances that leave us wondering, circumstances that leave us asking, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus in the midst of all of this pain? Where is Jesus in the midst of all of this difficulty? I want to suggest to you that the words of Luke 24 and verse 15 are as true for us as they were the two disciples in this text. As we walk down the road of life, Jesus is not distant from us. Jesus draws near to us. As we walk down the road of life, Jesus doesn't just walk with us whenever it's convenient for Him. No, Jesus walks with us every step of the way. As we study together tonight in Luke 24, I want us to explore that reality together. That as we go throughout life, we don't go throughout life alone. Jesus is the one who draws near to us. Jesus is the one who walks with us. We never go anywhere without the presence of our Lord. Notice how we see that in this text. Number one, we find that Jesus is present in our lives even when we don't recognize it. Jesus, the, verse, the text says in verse number 15 that He drew near and went with these two disciples. But when you look in verse 16, the Bible says that their eyes were kept from recognizing Him. Whether this is a result of their own spiritual blindness or whether this is something that God and His sovereignty brought upon them, Jesus is close to them. Jesus is walking with them, but they don't recognize it. They're disciples of Jesus. they spent time with Jesus. Jesus is their master and teacher. He's walking right next to them in this story. But they don't recognize it. Their eyes are held back from recognizing it. Notice, even though they didn't recognize it was Jesus, Jesus was there. Jesus was present. Jesus drew near to them and walked with them every step of the way down the road to Emmaus. I think the same is true in our lives. Jesus is present with us even when we don't recognize it. Maybe sometimes we go through circumstances in life, like we mentioned a few moments ago, that make us wonder, where is Jesus in the midst of all this pain? Where is Jesus in the midst of all this difficulty? We go through circumstances that make us think that Jesus has left us, Jesus is distant from us, Jesus doesn't care about us anymore. Even when we don't recognize it, Jesus' promise in Matthew 28 and verse 20 is still in effect. Where he says, as you go and make disciples for me, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Even if we don't recognize it in the moment. Jesus is there. Jesus is present with us. He draws near to us and walks with us every step of the way. Number two, Jesus is present in verse 17, even when we're sad. Jesus asked the two disciples a question and they're going to begin to have this conversation with one another. Jesus says, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? What are you talking about? What, what is the topic of discussion here as you're walking down this road? Before they ever answer that question audibly, you can see the answer written all over their faces. Before they say anything in response to that question, Luke gives us the detail that they stood still looking sad. They were sad. They were sorrowful about what had happened to Jesus. How He was crucified just a few days ago, and now His body on the first day of the week is nowhere to be found. And you could see it written all over their face. Maybe tears were streaming down their cheeks. All the stress and remorse that they had experienced over the last few days was written all over their faces. Notice that Jesus was still there. Jesus was still present with them. He was still walking with them even though they were sad. The same is true with us. Jesus is present with us. Jesus walks with us even when we're sad. Have you ever had a fair weather friend? Have you ever had a friend who's only there for you when things are well? A friend who's only going to be there for you when they can get something out of you, but then when life gets a little bit difficult, they're nowhere to be found? Nobody wants a fair-weather friend. Here's the good news. Jesus is not a fair-weather friend. Jesus isn't just there for us whenever things are going well. Jesus doesn't just walk with us and draw near to us whenever we're happy and whenever whenever everything is clicking in our lives. Jesus is present with us even when we're sad. Jesus is present with us even when the circumstances of life have absolutely broken our hearts. Number three, Jesus is present in verses 18-24 through even when our hopes have been shattered. In this text, in this conversation, Jesus asks them two different times. What are you talking about? What is this conversation that you're having? And like we said a few minutes ago, one of the disciples speaks up named Cleopas. And he explains, we're talking about Jesus of Nazareth, which is kind of ironic, isn't it? He's talking to Jesus, about Jesus, unknowingly. He says, we're talking about Jesus of Nazareth. We're talking about His identity. We're talking about His death, which took place three days ago. Everyone in Jerusalem knows about it. How don't you know about it? We're talking about how His body is missing and we just don't know what to think about that. We don't know what to do about that. If you zero in on Luke chapter 24 and verse 21, Cleopas gives us some insight into how they felt in these circumstances. He says, we, the two disciples had hoped that He was the one to redeem Israel. These two disciples had high hopes for Jesus. They had hoped that He was the one to redeem Israel. These two disciples traveled to Jerusalem more than likely a few days earlier as Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem hoping this is the time. This is when the kingdom is going to be restored to the Jews. This is the man who's going to overthrow the Romans and begin an earthly kingdom in the city of Jerusalem. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Everything that they had hoped for about Jesus, all the hopes that they had had for their master and teacher came crumbling down whenever he was crucified. Whenever Jesus was handed over, whenever Jesus was executed by the Jewish religious leaders in Jerusalem, Cohorts with the Romans. Their hopes were shattered into a thousand pieces. But Jesus is still there. Even though their hopes had been shattered, even though their hopes had fallen to pieces, Jesus was still present with them. Jesus was still walking with them. Jesus is present in our lives, even when our hopes have been shattered. Have you ever broken a dish in the kitchen before? It's a terrible feeling, isn't it? We have some people nodding yes right there. Luke, I guess we can check that over there. Um, it's a terrible feeling. And, and if you're like me, you're going to get in trouble if you break too many of them. Right, Luke? You get in trouble for that? I guess. Yeah, guess you do. You have a glass, a bowl, a plate that you've just cleaned, dried it, about ready to put it up, slips through your fingers and shatters into a million pieces, Have you ever had that happen to something that you've hoped for? Have you ever experienced that when it comes to your hopes? We hope for all kinds of different things in our lives. Have you ever had your hopes shattered? Have you ever had something you hoped for broken into millions of pieces? Jesus is still there. Jesus is still present. He is still walking with us, even when our hopes have been shattered. And then number four, I think really the main idea of this section of Scripture, what this story all comes back to is that Jesus is present in the Scriptures. As the two disciples fill Jesus in on this conversation that they've been having about Him, right? Jesus rebukes them. If you look in Luke chapter 24, verses 25 and 26, He says, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory? It seems like these two disciples should have expected what happened. They should have known that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to die. They should have known that it was necessary for Jesus to raise from the dead and subsequently enter into His glory. They should have known that these things were going to happen. Why should they have known it? How could they have known it? What we see in verses 25 and 26, Jesus says that's what the entire Old Testament is all about. That's what you find in so many different places in the Scriptures. Oh, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Jesus rebukes them for their lack of insight. But Jesus doesn't just rebuke them and leave it there. Jesus, in verse number 27, "...beginning with Moses and all the prophets, interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself." Can you imagine what that would have been like? Can you imagine what it would have been like to have a Bible study with Jesus? Can you imagine what it would have been like for Jesus to explain to you every single place in the Old Testament Scriptures that talk about, that testify, that prophesy about Him? Imagine the text that would have been explored. Imagine the connections that would have been made. Those aha moments where all of a sudden everything made sense in these two disciples' minds. Think about how they would have felt. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. Think about how they would have felt as Jesus interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. Jesus not only would have taken them to a number of Old Testament passages like Psalms 22 or Isaiah 53, but He wanted to show them the Old Testament is all about Me. Jesus is the centerpiece of the meta-narrative of the Old Testament Scripture. The whole story of the Israelite nation all comes back to Jesus and finds its fulfillment in Jesus. Before Jesus reveals that He's present with them physically, remember verse 16, their eyes were kept back from recognizing that Jesus was there. Before Jesus reveals to them that He's present physically, He wants them to see how He's present in the Scriptures. How He's present in so many different places in the Old Testament. How that entire story points directly to Him. Jesus is present in the Scriptures. Contrary to what some people might believe, the Bible is not just a rule book. The Bible is not just a list of rules and expectations for us to follow. On the other side of the spectrum, the Bible is not just a love letter from God to His people. You know what the Bible is? You know what the Bible does? Do you know what its purpose is, first and foremost? This book is all about Jesus, not just some of it. But all of it, all 66 books of Scripture in its entirety, all point back to Jesus. They're all about Jesus. I heard a preacher put it this way one time. The Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi, tells us that Jesus is coming. That's the conversation they're having here in Luke 24. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell us that Jesus has come. Acts, throughout the rest of the New Testament, throughout all of the epistles, tell us that Jesus is coming back. And they tell us what we need to do to prepare ourselves for that. They tell us what we need to do in order to form a relationship with Jesus to live every day for His glory. Jesus is present in the Scriptures. If you can't sense the presence of Jesus in your life on a daily basis, if you feel like Jesus is distant, if you feel like Jesus isn't there, could it be the case that your Bible has been closed for too long? Could it be the case that your Bible has collected too much dust every time we open up the Scriptures? We come face to face with the Savior who loves us and desires a relationship with us. Just like the two disciples walking down the road to Emmaus, Jesus draws near to us. Jesus walks with us every step of the way when we don't recognize it, when we're sad, when our hopes have been shattered, when we open up this book and we spend time reading and studying, we come face to face with the Christ. We come face to face with the Messiah. Jesus is present in our lives. So let's close with this question. How should we respond to that? Jesus is present with us every step of the way. Jesus is not distant from us. He draws near to us. How should we respond to that on a daily basis? How should we respond to that Monday through Saturday? Well, how did these two disciples respond to it in Luke 24? As we continue reading, we find, number one, we should respond to Jesus' presence in our lives with a desire to, to spend time with him. Eventually, when you come down to verse number 28, they came to Emmaus. They're walking down this road to the village of Emmaus and eventually they get there. The seven mile journey came to a completion. And Jesus would have kept walking. He would have kept walking past the city of Emmaus and kept going down the road. But the two disciples didn't want that. The Bible says in verse 20, number 29 that they urged Jesus strongly. In other words, they begged Him saying, Stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. Why are they doing that? Why are they asking Jesus to stay with them? I think the answer is very simple. They want to spend more time with Jesus. They have a desire to spend more time with Him, to be with Him just a little bit longer. And so they invite Jesus into their home. Here's something we need to recognize about Jesus Jesus stays where He's wanted. And so Jesus enters into the house, He sits down at the table. They begin to have a meal together. It's throughout the course of that meal where, verse 16, their eyes were kept from recognizing Him. When we come to verse number 30, that was lifted. They saw who they were sitting with. They recognized, this is Jesus. This is our Master. This is our Teacher. And when they realized that, when their eyes were opened, the text says that Jesus vanished from their sight. We should respond to Jesus' presence in our lives with the desire to spend time with him. I'm afraid that sometimes as Christians, we have a mindset that we carry in a number of different areas in our lives. How can I do the absolute bare minimum spiritually and still be OK? Do you think we ever think that way? How can I do the bare minimum in my relationship with Jesus and still have a relationship with Jesus? whenever we recognize Jesus' presence in our lives, whenever we recognize the fact and we embrace the fact that Jesus walks with us every single step of the way, we're not going to be content with just the bare minimum. Instead, we're going to have this desire, this longing to spend more time with Jesus. Jesus is present in my life, and I can't wait till later today when I get to open up Scripture and spend some time with Him. Jesus is present with me everywhere I go and in everything that I do. I can't wait for that time of my day where I shut everything off and I go in my my room, close the door, and pray to my Father who's in the secret place. Jesus is present with us. We should have a desire to be present with Him. Number two, in response to Jesus' presence in our lives, we should be balanced between the head and the heart. That's what we find with these two disciples in verse number 32. They're sitting around the table amazed. Jesus just vanished from their sight. And they're so astonished at what just happened. They're reflecting on this together. Did not our hearts burn within us while He talked to us on the road? That's the emotional response they had to Jesus. That's the response that they had in their hearts, in response to the time that they spent with Jesus, in response to Jesus being present in their lives. They had an emotional response where they were excited, they were passionate, they were enthusiastic, they were comforted. When we saw them just a few minutes ago, they were sad, their hopes had been shattered. Not anymore. According to what they say in verse 32, their hearts were burning within them as Jesus talked to them about Scripture as they were going down the road. That's the emotional response that they had. But what was that emotional response rooted in? Why did they respond to Jesus in their hearts? It wasn't because they had a dynamic speaker up in front of them throwing religious cliches at them that weren't even closely connected to Scripture. They had an emotional response to Jesus, but it wasn't because they turned the lights down real low and sang a 10 verse invitation song. They had an emotional response to Jesus. Why? Well, look at verse 32. Did not our hearts burn within us while He talked to us on the road? And then clarifies that, while He opened to us the Scriptures. The response to Jesus that they had in their hearts was based on a response in their minds. Their feelings, their emotions, from this experience that they had with Jesus, was based on a diligent, contextual, systematic study of the Scriptures. A balance between the heart, emotion, and the head, Scripture. In response to Jesus' presence in our lives, we should have that balanced response. A balance between the heart, And the head. It seems to me like there are two extremes here, both of them not being where Jesus wants us to be. We can have a lot of emotions and feelings for Jesus, but then know absolutely nothing about Scripture. Or we can treat Jesus like an academic subject where we know the answer to every Bible question and we're able to give off every Bible fact, but we have no emotions or feelings for the one who gave us the Bible in the first place. Neither of those options are what Jesus wants for us as His people. Jesus wants us to be balanced. To respond to Him in our hearts, certainly with feelings and emotions, but feelings and emotions that are based on Scripture. A response in the heart that's based on what we know in our heads. And then number three, in response to Jesus' presence, we should have an urgency to go and tell other people. These two disciples didn't waste any time. In verse 33, as we continue reading and and studying in Luke chapter 24, the Bible says they rose from the table that same hour and returned back to Jerusalem. They wasted no time whatsoever. That very hour, they got up from the table. They went back to the city of Jerusalem. The seven mile journey that they had just completed towards Emmaus, now they're going back towards Jerusalem. The time that they spent with their resurrected Lord is not something that they could keep to themselves. They had to go and tell other people. And so in verse 34, they found the apostles, and the others, rather verse 33, the apostles, the eleven, and those who were there with them gathered together, and they announced the message, the Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Perhaps that resurrection appearance to Simon is also talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 5. Verse 35 says that they talked about what happened on the road, how He was known to them in the breaking of the bread. They rehearsed this story that we just read and studied about how Jesus was present in their lives. They had an urgency to go and tell it. And we should be the same way. In response to Jesus' presence in our lives, we should have an urgency to go and tell other people. I think that sometimes we overcomplicate evangelism. I think that sometimes we think about evangelism as I need to know the answer to every question that anybody could ask. And I need to be able to present Scripture and I need to have it all memorized in my mind and I need to present it in such a way, such an eloquent and elegant way that nobody's going to be able to refute it. No one's going to be able to stand against it and this person's going to be converted because of how great I am and how much I know. What if we viewed evangelism like these two disciples did? What if we viewed evangelism as simply going and telling others about how Jesus is present in our lives? Do you think that would make a difference? Do you think that people would be receptive to a message like that? That here's how Jesus has been with me. Here's how Jesus has blessed me. Here's how Jesus is interacting with me on a daily basis. And it's from that point that we can get into Scripture. It's from that point that we can go on to talk about what God desires for us in becoming His children and living as His children on a daily basis. We should have an urgency to share Jesus with other people. If Jesus has been present in our lives, if we truly embrace that idea that Jesus draws near to us and walks with us everywhere that we go, why would we not tell people? There are people who we know who are separated from the Lord. There are people who we know, if they died tonight, they'd spend an eternity away from the Lord. We should have an urgency to go and tell them about Jesus. Jesus is present. Isn't it awesome to know? Jesus walks with us. Jesus draws near to us. He's not distant. He doesn't just walk with us when it's convenient for Him. Jesus is with us every step of the way, even when we don't recognize it. Even when we're sad, even when our hopes have been shattered, every time we open up the pages of Scripture, we are confronted with the Lord who loves us and desires a relationship with us. So the question is, how are we going to respond to that this week? What kind of difference is that going to make in our lives throughout the rest of tonight? As we go about our daily lives tomorrow? Number one, have a desire to spend time with Jesus. Number two, have a balanced response to Him. A response in the head that goes along with our response in our hearts. And let's have an urgency to tell other people. This is something that's so important. How could we not tell other people? Jesus is present with us. Let's be present with Him as we go throughout the rest of this week. Are you present with Him tonight? If you're not, you have an opportunity to make that right as we stand and as we sing.